0: So this morning, I want to uh, talk to you out of this Old Testament passage from Haggai. See, Haggai here gives us this picture of a kingdom that was emerging from captivity. After years of being in exile and captivity, King Darius had given permission for God's people, Israel, to rebuild their temple. And less than two months after starting that reconstruction project, the work on the temple slowed to a crawl because the builders were discouraged. Why were they discouraged? You would think that their enthusiasm to rebuild their temple... After so many years in captivity, you would think that their enthusiasm would be just uncontainable. And yet, Haggai says that they were discouraged. See, the reason for their discouragement was that as they began to rebuild the temple they soon realized that despite their best efforts, the appearance of the temple was meager and modest compared to the original. In their minds, it just lacked the same majesty, the splendor, the glory of the original. The kingdom that they knew now as their present reality was just a shadow of its former self. All the resources and the wealth of their nation had been taken from them along with their freedom and their identity and so as they labored to reconstruct the temple to its former glory they saw only that they didn't have the will or the motivation or the resources to attain that goal and so the Lord speaks through Haggai to the people and He says, Who is left among you that saw this house in its former glory? How does it look to you now? Is it not in your sight as nothing? Yet now take courage O Zerubbabel says the Lord take courage O Joshua son of Jehozadak the high priest take courage all you people of the land says the Lord work for I am with you says the Lord of hosts according to the promise that I made you when you came out of Egypt my spirit abides among you do not fear the people of Israel were remembering their old glory before they had been conquered by the Babylonians, taken out of Jerusalem. The temple had been destroyed. They'd been in captivity for a long time and now King Darius had finally come along and he was compassionate and he said, go rebuild your temple. Make it great again. There's been a lot of talk recently in our own nation about making it great again. Why is it do we hear this discussion? Well, it's because we have people who are remembering something of a former glory, whether it's real or imagined. They're remembering how things used to be, at least for them. They might be lamenting over the economy as compared to what they remember it. They might be lamenting over our healthcare system as compared to what they remember it. They might be saddened at the current state of race relations in the country because, well, we had made such great strides and now we're so divided in race issues. They're discouraged as they see the predominant movement away from the church today, away from traditional values and moving from Christian values to secular humanist culture. There are many reasons why people today might be looking around and saying that our nation will never be as grand, will never be as magnificent, will never be as glorious as it once was. And depending on your worldview, it's easy for people to be discouraged, just like the people in Haggai's time. And so as we read this passage, it's relatively short leap, even across the span of thousands of years, to go from Haggai's Israel to present-day America, to go from ancient Jerusalem to modern-day Shepherd to go from the Temple Mount to Shepherd United Methodist Church. It's really a short leap because many of us are looking at things in terms of former glory instead of future glory. See, what the people of Israel needed in the midst of their discouragement was a glimpse of future Glory. They needed a taste of what was to come. They needed to see the hope that was ahead of them. They needed to see God's kingdom now. And they needed to see the glory that was in store for them. And so God gives them some encouragement to to counter their discouragement. He says in Haggai, For thus says the Lord of hosts, once again in a little while I will shake the heavens and the earth and the sea and the dry land and I will shake all the nations so that the treasure of all nations shall come and I will fill this house with splendor, says the Lord of hosts. The silver is mine, the gold is mine, says the Lord. The latter splendor of this house shall be greater than the former says the Lord of hosts. And in this place, I will give prosperity, says the Lord of hosts. See, God's promise to the people of Israel is that He will supply the needed resources to rebuild the temple. God's plan for the future glory of His temple is to make it not only meet the glory of the former temple, but to surpass it in every respect. How does he intend to accomplish that? Well, Haggai gives us three ways. First of all, if you're taking notes, he intends to accomplish it by divine intervention into the natural order. He says, this is what the Lord Almighty says. In a little while, I will once more shake the heavens and the earth, the sea, and the dry land. There's going to be a cosmic shaking of the heavens and the earth. Is that literal or is it figurative? I don't know. But God is emphasizing His complete power, His complete omnipotence, His total reign and sovereignty over the natural order and the supernatural realm. Divine intervention. That's the first way He intends to accomplish this rebuilding. The second thing, he intends to accomplish his plan to restore and elevate his temple to greater glory and majesty, Haggai says, through the wealth of other nations. See, God tells Haggai, he gives him this prophetic sight to see a development where the movement of God's hand through other nations will supply Israel with needed resources to rebuild the temple. He says, I will shake all nations and the desire of all nations will come and I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord Almighty, because the silver is mine and the gold is mine, declares the Lord Almighty. See, does God intend to pick every citizen of every other nation up by their heels and shake them until all the coins fall out of their pockets? No, that's not what he's saying here the wealth of the other nations is souls saved for Christ coming to assemble together as the body of Christ centered where the throne of Christ will be in Jerusalem. And so there's this image here that the wealth of other nations will rebuild the temple. That's true when we're talking about the body of Christ and all the other nations whose souls will be saved and will center on Jerusalem. We can look at Isaiah 60, verse 5. Isaiah prophesies about the wealth of nations being diverted to and bestowed upon Jerusalem. He says, Then you will look and be radiant. Your heart will throb and swell with joy. The wealth on the seas will be brought to you. To you, the riches of the nations will come. Not material wealth. The resource, the wealth, is the saved souls of the nations coming to be Christ followers. So the third thing, God intends to accomplish the surpassing glory of the temple rebuild by making it more beautiful, more radiant, having more splendor than anyone could possibly imagine. He says, the glory of this present house will be greater than the glory of the former house, says the Lord Almighty. And in this place, I will grant peace, declares the Lord. See, this anticipated glory of the rebuilt temple serves as an encouragement for the people. And if that weren't enough motivation, God promises them that the rebuilt temple will be a place of peace. Which is probably the most desired thing for a nation that's been in bondage for 70 plus years. Peace. This image of peace coming to those in bondage. Sometimes when I turn on the TV, when I listen to the news, when I see all the stuff that's going on in the world, when I hear the bickering back and forth in the political arena and all the mess that's out there, I feel like I'm in a nation in bondage. Do you ever feel that way? And really all I long for when I turn on the news is to hear something that resembles peace and harmony. And so, when I read Haggai and I long for peace, what comes to mind is that the future glory of this nation or really any nation doesn't rest in the outcome of elections. Thanks be to God. As we rebuild our temple, the divine hand of God will be at work in the land. He will move among the nations and the wealth of the world, the souls being won for Christ, will be poured into our future glory and majesty. The sheer splendor of the peace we represent as a nation will draw the nations of the world to us. And if we humble ourselves, this is Scripture, if we humble ourselves, pray, seek God's face, and turn from our wicked ways, He will hear from heaven and He promises that He will heal our land. If we humble ourselves. I don't hear much humility in the discourse that's going on in this country. Humble ourselves. Pray. I don't see much of that either. Seek His face. Oh, that we would seek out God's face before we do anything else. And then the last thing, turn from our wicked ways, repent, change direction, away from evil and toward God. If we do those things, humble ourselves, pray, seek His face, turn from our wicked ways, His promise is that He will hear from heaven. And then he will heal our land. We have our work cut out for us, church. We have to be those who are the examples of humility, of prayer, of seeking God first in everything, and in repentance. that's how we bring the kingdom of God here now. By doing those things. Whenever I hear that, the kingdom of God is here now, I think of a professor of mine at at Perkins School of Theology. His name was Jack Soper. Still is, I, I guess. Jack Soper. He would say, the kingdom of God is here now. I hope you're not disappointed. It's his tongue-in-cheek way of saying, we bring the kingdom of God here now by doing these things, humbling ourselves, praying, seeking the face of God, turning from our wicked ways. If we'll do that, we bring kingdom of God here now. Because the kingdom of God is here now with us as believers in Christ. The temple of our individual souls has been rebuilt, redeemed, restored to its former glory. That's already happened the second we said yes to Jesus. And we're in for even greater splendor than before because of the eternal promise of Jesus Christ and life with Him forever. But even all of that is but a glimpse of the future glory that is coming. Even the grand vision of kingdom now dulls in comparison to the eternal glory that is coming. The Lord promises to fill His house with glory, which is the manifestation of His divine presence here with us again. We've seen the manifestation Before, in the advent of the Christ child, right? The baby in the manger, advent. It's right around the corner, people. Jesus coming to earth as the Christ child. We've seen it before. The thing is, we will see it again in even greater glory in the second advent of Christ the King. Always remember that the first advent, the first coming of Christ as the baby in the manger, the reason He came was to prepare us for the second coming of Christ, not as a baby in a manger, but as a conqueror, a king. It's happening. It's coming. Isaiah 6, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lofty. And the hem of his robe filled the temple. Seraphs were in attendance above him. Each had six wings. With two they covered their faces. And with two they covered their feet. And with two they flew. And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. I think of John sitting in exile on the island of Patmos, having visions that are given to him by the Lord. And in Revelation 21, he has this vision where he tells us about the new heaven and the new earth. And he says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, See, the home of God is among mortals. He will dwell with them as their God. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. death will be no more. Mourning and crying and pain will be no more, for the first things have passed away. And the one who was seated on the throne said, See, I am making all things new. Also he said, Write this, for these words are trustworthy and true. And then he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give water as a gift from the spring of the water of life. Those who conquer will inherit these things and I will be their God and they will be my children. What does all this mean to us here in Shepherd this morning? Whatever your worldview is, However, you see the state of this nation, remember it's God who's in control. Whatever glory used to be, whatever glory you perceive to be now, is really dull in comparison to the splendor and the glory of what's coming. And so our job here as the church, and the church, if you haven't heard me say it before, hear it today, is the body of Christ in motion in the world. (laughs) Our job is to make sure everyone knows about the glory that's coming. We do that through living out the gospel in what we say, what we do, how we treat others. And so our job is to rebuild the temple beginning with the temple of our own hearts. Restoring it, not just to its former glory, the way God created us in the beginning, but even more majestic, more magnificent, because it is now the temple of the Holy Spirit that dwells in us as we say yes to Jesus Christ. That's all I know today. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. the kids all come up, and they're going to help lead us to a song. Yay. Yay. Oh, I love singing. Good. I'm glad, because you're to sing. <laughs>